the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, we're on a series called Acts Right because we're going through the book of Acts. Um, But we're going to start in Romans tonight, so if you'll turn to the book of Romans, the 7th chapter, and we'll begin in the 15th verse. I'm going to skip around a little bit there. I'm in the New Living Translation. Romans 7, 15 starts out like this. I don't really understand myself. (laughs) And that's the Apostle Paul talking. So I know I don't understand myself. I think a lot of us would agree. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Now hold on before you start pointing at yourself now. I think he may be talking about the the pre-born again man here. But maybe not. He said, instead, I do what I hate. Nobody wants to do what they hate. In verse 18, if you skip on down, it says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. If you go down to verse 21, it says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Well, you're just getting me all excited, Pastor, uh, Apostle Paul. <laughs> Man, if we quit right there, it'd be, a, it'd be a hard night at church, wouldn't it? He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me at war with my mind. Where's the war at? <laughs> And do we agree that there's a war? Do you feel these powers raging in you, trying to get, you want to do right, but you can't do right, it seems? But you know you can, but you don't. There's another power within me at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. The King James says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know, the Bible says the whole earth groans just waiting for the coming of the Lord. Sometimes I read the end of the book, and it says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and I say amen. I I mean, I'm looking for the day that I am relieved of this flesh, for the, the gravity and all the stuff that's pulling us down. Can I get an amen? Amen. Tonight's message, though, is entitled Part 5, O Wretched Man That I Was. O Wretched Man That I Was. Uh, If you remember last week, last Wednesday, we discussed uh, Peter and John where they healed the lame man at the Gate Beautiful in Jerusalem. 
Oh, that was two weeks ago then, wasn't it? Yeah, last, who missed the testimonies? Boy, y'all missed something last week. Huh? Anyway, in Acts 3, 6, now we're finally in Acts, so we can Acts right. In Acts 3, 6, in the King James, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why do you think Peter was so quick to point out, Silver and gold have I none? Well, that's what, one of the questions I'm going to ask tonight, and we're going to try to find out why he, he wanted to make that point before he told him what he did have. I think finally, finally the hard-headed Peter had learned a few things from Jesus by this point. You know, he started off just a rough-shod fisherman from the mean streets of Capernaum, and his brother introduced him to Jesus. You may identify with that. Somebody's brother introduced you to Jesus or somebody's sister, right? We all got introduced to Jesus at some point in our life. Well, Peter's this, this fisherman. He's just going along doing his thing like we were all doing our thing. And then somebody points out that, hey, there may be a better way. And his name is Jesus. So Peter's willing to give this Jesus a try. He kind of puts a toe in, so to speak, you know. You ever tried the bath water or the, or the cold pool water or something? You give it a little trial. You're willing, you're a little cautious, you know. He gives Jesus a try. He even sticks around after Jesus heals his mother-in-law. I thought that was a good gesture. He allows Jesus to use his boat to preach from. But he's kind of, you know, he doesn't really want to let Jesus tell him to go throw the nets back out. You know, Jesus preached and he says, all right, Peter, go back out into the deep and, and uh, throw your nets down for a draw. Peter's like, mm, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. And, you know, we're professionals here. And we, we didn't catch nothing. I'm tired. Could we not? But nevertheless, so he, he still, you know, he's like many Christians today. They're willing to, to do some things, but, you know, they don't want to go all whole hog like we preached that time. You know, they're not really ready. If it starts to cost me too much, man, I'm just going to stop this whole church thing, you know. If they, if they, don't, if they don't know Jesus good enough, it becomes a, one of those kind of issues. But, you know, soon Peter's boat begins to fill with blessing, doesn't it? Because his obedience. And then he realizes, well, in that one instance when the nets were about to break and he fills two boats with fish, he realizes, hey, this Jesus is for real. <laughs> and he also realizes something else in Luke 5, 8. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened to all these fish, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me, for I am a sinful man. He realizes that uh, he's a sinful man and he recognizes that Jesus is not. He realizes holiness, maybe, is important for the first time in his life. Do you remember when, when you were first saved and you were confronted? Oh, that, that's what that is, sin? <laughs> I thought that was just the way it was. You know, I thought everybody did this. And then we probably started trying to 
worm our way out. Well, I'm as good as so-and-so, you know, I'm, not, I'm way better than that guy over there, I'm, you know, and we begin to justify and, and the whole sin holiness thing begin to play out in our lives and we had to begin to wrestle with that. And tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out the hands before you as I go through this, this message. Uh, you remember I told you about how I used to talk to my children, and I'm not calling you children or anything, but it just seems to work well. You know, you lay out the hands, you, you make it black and white, okay? You act bad, you get a whooping. If you, if you don't act bad, we'll go get some ice cream. Which one do you want? And, and it makes it plain to them, doesn't it? They're, who's going to say, well, I want to back bad and get a whooping? No, they're going to say, well, okay, we'll go get some ice cream. You know, it, it helps them make the right decision if you just lay out the hands. So tonight, the first hands we're going to lay out is, do you want to live in sin? Or would you rather live in holiness? Sort of like the same question I'd ask the kid, right? Sin or holiness? Well, Peter, you know, he keeps watching Jesus. And Jesus is performing miracles. And he's going around doing good and healing all that are pressed, you know, sick and all that are pressed of the devil and so forth. And, and uh, for the first time, Peter sees in Jesus a man living in the flesh but not being controlled by his flesh. Jesus is a good example, isn't he? And we're supposed to be good examples to one another. He sees Jesus living by the Spirit of God. You know, to be carnally minded is what? Death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He sees somebody living in that life and, and peace. And he sees the difference between the flesh and the Spirit. Clear difference, isn't it? These are differences that we need to hash out in our own life. Pretty soon he sees Jesus walking on the water. I thought that was pretty neat. They're out there in the boat, you know, and they've been, they're, been out there hours fighting the wind and the waves, and it's a dark, stormy night, and all of a sudden, they, what in the world? Jesus comes walking on the water. Well, Peter, he, he's got his little more in his toe in now. He's starting to really get, he's starting to believe to the point where he's really ready to try this thing. He, he said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. I want to get in on this. I want to I I be like you, Jesus. And, you know, a lot of people have bad things to say about Peter because Peter did sink after a minute. But Peter got out of the boat, and that's more than most Christians will do. We, you know, ha, are you using your faith for anything these days? Are you believing God for something, or are you just settling with whatever comes? Whatever happens. Kuna Matata. <laughs> right? Or do, are we trying to live an extraordinary life? Are we willing to get out of the boat and stand on faith? Well, well Peter did. And he took a few steps, and it was like, oh, wow. This is what living in the Spirit is like. And then, of course, the wind and the waves hit, and he, he got his eyes off of Jesus. And when he did, he began to sink. But immediately, Jesus was there to grab him and put him in the boat. You know, I think Jesus was, you know, he said, oh, ye of little faith and everything. But I think he, deep down, he was probably pretty excited that somebody got out of the boat. I believe he'd be so excited if somebody got out of the boat in today's church. Amen? Amen. <laughs> oh, where was my notes? I didn't lost myself. All right. I'm still lost. 
All right. I was going to do some more hands. Y'all ready? Eyes on the situation or eyes on Jesus? Do you keep, you want to keep your eyes on the situation? Or do you want to get your eyes on Jesus? Because he's like the author and the finisher of your faith, you know. He's the one who wrote the story of your life. He's the one who knows how you get to where you're supposed to get. You know, you can find yourself in the Word of God. It's like a mirror. You look into it and behold what manner of person you ought to be. You know, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, it would be amazing how we begin to discover we're becoming who we're created to be. But when we get, keep our eyes on the situation all the time, what happens? Well, we just, we, we get stuck and bogged down in whatever the world desires for us. Mm. Then one day, Peter discovers he can actually hear from God. Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And the others were saying, well, some of them say this, some of them say But he said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, it's like, I can imagine something went off on the inside of him. He's like, well, thou art the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I don't know where I got that. Did you hear and, But it just came out. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You're hearing from fa the Father. That's the that way to go, Peter. In fact, I'm going to change your name now. We're not going to call you Simon anymore. We're going to call you Peter. Jesus says, you know, this is how we're going to build the church. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to hear from the Holy Spirit, and that's how we're going to be. This is how we build in this church. We're, you know, there's a difference in information and revelation. You can go down to the library and get all kind of information on how to build a life, build a church, build a business. But if you're dependent on God, you're looking for revelation. Big difference. See, the way we're trying to build this church, the way I'm endeavoring to build my life is to hear from God. And go one step at a day, one step at a time. You know, we can overwhelm ourselves with information, which is mostly the case these days, right? We have more useless information than any generation ever thought. I mean, you could add up all the generations together, and we've got more information in our phone, in our back pocket, than they ever had, and all the volumes ever written. So we've got more information, but has it made us more holy? Has it made us more godlike? I mean, you can use some of it to do that. I do. I certainly do. But for the majority of people, it has made very little difference. What we need is revelation. Revelation from God to live our lives right. Peter's victory lap didn't last very long. You know, he said that one good thing. <laughs> he, he got the revelation, you know. Peter's like that. You know, one moment he's doing something extraordinary, and the next moment he's like, who is this guy? And so Jesus begins to prophesy about, I'm, you know, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. They're going to hang me on a cross and all this. And, and Peter's like, he's arguing with God. <laughs> no, Jesus, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to guard you. See, this is how we're going to do it. And Jesus is like, Peter. He doesn't even call him Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. In fact, it's in Ma uh, Matthew 16, 23, 
Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me because you're seeing things only from a human point of view, not from God's. Do you want a human point of view? Or do you want God's point of view? You know, a human point of view is like a little chicken's pecking down here. We can't see above the, the skyline of the dirt we're, we're pecking in. But if we're listening to the Lord, you know, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, and darkness, and rulers of spiritual wickedness and all that stuff. We can see above. We have revelation. We, we have more than just our eyes. We have our ears. We have all these senses attuned with God. We can know stuff. We can see in the future. We know somebody who knows yesterday and today and forever all at once. He's there now. <laughs> if we follow him. We can get God's perspective if we'll listen, if we'll read his word. You know, how do we know what is true? Is it Fox News or is it CNN? What, what if it's right here? How do we know what is true in life? What, what do you use to, to base your decisions on if not the word of God? See, this is, this is God's perspective. Absolute truth. God's perspective is the absolute truth. But we, you know, we can have our human point of view, but as for me and my house, I want to line up with God's perspective. I think you probably do too. Soon thereafter, Jesus is, goes up on the mountain. He's transfigured. He's shown in all his heavenly glory here on the earth. And Moses and Elijah are there. And Peter is, and a couple of the disciples are there, and they get to behold Jesus up there in all of his glory. And, and Peter's, you know, he's just overwhelmed in the flesh. I can imagine, and he, he, don't, know, he don't know how to be quiet. You know, he's just like he's excited. And, Jesus, this is awesome, man. Come on, let's build a tent over here, for, and we'll build this over here for Moses. And, and he's just making up stuff. You know, and then God speaks audibly. And God says, God says, hush up, Peter, listen to Jesus. <laughs> That's the guy Sheffield translation. <laughs> it's basically what he said. He says, this is my beloved son, hear him. You know, won't you just learn to be... To listen, no, no, to, to talk or to listen. I'm trying to do all the good ones on the right-hand side. To, to do all the talking or maybe learn to listen. Because you know what? While you're talking, you're usually not learning anything because it's coming from you and you already know it if you're saying it. But if you're listening, you might accidentally pick up on something from somebody else. Whew, that's, that's good advice, God. Just listen to Jesus. I don't care who you are. That's good advice. Now, Peter, he's never short on humility. <laughs> he promises Jesus at the Last Supper. He said, now, all these other guys, Jesus, they're probably going to run away. They'll probably fall. They'll, you know, but not me. I'm going to be there for you, Jesus. I got your back. You can, you can take it to the bank. I won't, I won't fail you. 
You can almost hear the cock crowing as he says it. (laughs) Peter, you can't even stay awake one hour in the garden when Jesus is sweating great drops of blood. You know, our boasting probably sounds a lot like that before God. Anytime we begin to talk about how good we're doing something. So he falls asleep in the garden and Jesus tells him, look, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. What do you want to live in? The flesh or the spirit? A lot of decisions tonight, isn't it? The flesh or the spirit? Well, the soldiers come to get Jesus. Peter gets all amped up, whips out a sword, chops off one of the guy's ears. He thinks he's rescuing Jesus. Violence, the ultimate act of the flesh. Jesus says, Peter, if that's how you're going to live, that's how you're going to die. You got the physical sword, but I'd rather you maybe depend on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Live and die by the sword or live and die by the sword. that make any sense? At this point, I, I perceive poor Peter to be perplexed. <laughs> Say that five times. He's trying to do everything he knows to do in his own strength. He's trying to impress Jesus. I mean, after all, he pulled out a sword and whacked a guy for him, you know? Jesus, you're fussing at me everything I do. Peter's made dumb declarations, petty promises. He's always relied on his brute strength, his manly bravado, so he cuts off an ear. Why not? He don't use the two he's got, you know. (laughs) But Jesus never seems to be impressed with any of this. Do you think Jesus is impressed with what we can offer in our natural state? I'm asking because there's whole denominations of Christians who don't believe in operating in most of the gifts of the Spirit. That would, I don't know, I mean, I ain't been to all of them, I don't know, but that would seem to me that they're saying we want to please God in the flesh. If it's a gift of God, if it's a gift of the Holy Ghost, which is God, why would we not want it? There's some gifts that I would turn away, but not anything from God. Right? Jesus never seems to be really impressed with our human ability. Poor Peter, he's done all he knows to do, and he's probably, I just don't know, you know, he's frustrated. Have you ever been there? Maybe you've been there, and I've been there. When I got saved, man, I got saved hard. I wanted to please Jesus. I I worked myself to the bone trying to do everything I knew to do. And it seemed like sometimes I wasn't going anywhere. And it's like, this is frustrating. God, why aren't you helping me? 
Well, God doesn't usually help us head in the wrong direction. He waits till we come to our senses and get with the program. We would do much better than running off in the flesh, doing it on our own, as waiting on God, hearing from God, and then moving in faith. Something we can grab a hold of, faith. Doing what God wants us to do instead of just taking off and doing whatever we think is best. Can you imagine the size of our brain compared to God's? I don't know about you, but I can almost hear Peter pouting. <laughs> I don't know how to help Jesus. He gets mad and yells at me every time I try to do something. He's just trying to kill a guy for him. <laughs> now you're getting it, Peter. Now you're beginning to understand Jesus is not interested in your ability. He's interested in your availability. Do you just want to live in your ability? Or would you just rather relax and do what God says and be available when he says do something? See, that's the life of faith. It's not making plans. I'm going to I'm going to build bigger barns so I can live, eat, drink, and be married. Well, you, you fool, you don't even know tonight your very life is going to be asked of you. And then who's going to get all your stuff? We make these grand plans. Is that a word? I just make up stuff. These grand plans. I didn't have to put the doice on the end of it. I just do. <laughs> I try to sound like I know how to use big words, you know. I have interrupted myself. Let me get back on track. Okay. So, Peter runs off with the rest of the crowd. When the rest of them ran away because the soldiers came, Peter ran away too. And we know later on that night, he did what? He denied that he even knew Jesus. Three times, that's right. Have you ever been there? We deny him in many different ways when we just say, well, we're going to take a break from church. Or we're going to take a break from this Jesus stuff. Or we just slowly fade off into somewhere, into some backslidden state or something. <laughs> into a drunken stupor, I don't know. <laughs> that might be where you slid off into, I don't know. <clears throat> a lot of people do. Okay, okay. Do you know something about me? I don't. <laughs> but Peter's probably thinking, why even try to please God? Have you noticed? God is so funny. He doesn't get in a hurry. He will allow us to go in the wrong direction for so long. He'll just sit there patiently waiting for us to get it. While we're pouting, well, it don't make no sense to try to follow God. You can't, you know, can't never please him. Does it even matter? Did, did the things Peter was doing, did they matter to God, do you think? I think they did. I think even though he was doing the wrong thing because he had passion about the things, he, because he had zeal, I believe that matters to God, even if it's misdirected zeal. I believe Jesus was secretly... Oh, ye of little faith, get back in the boat with me, boy. You know? 
Peter, put the sword away. But thanks for trying, buddy. Everybody else is just going to sit there. Right? Maybe I'm wrong. That's just, that's, that's my, my talking. I didn't see that in the Bible, so, you know. But I believe Jesus loves to see some zeal. I believe he can work with somebody who has some passion. Even though you don't have it all right, I didn't have it all right early on in my Christian days. And I'm going to look back five years from now and say, boy, I didn't have it all right back then either. None of us in this room have it all right. We're all in misdirected zeal in areas of our life. None of us can know, yea, the deep things of God all at once. But as long as we keep passion, and as long as we keep learning, as long as we keep heading in that right direction, keep coming back to Jesus, Jesus knows it's all just part of the process, and the process is called sanctification. And it is a lifelong process. And the things that I learned early on, there's some things when I was a first-year Christian and I may have studied in the Bible that I knew better back then than I do now. Why? Because my brain leaks over a period of time. I often used to think of these preachers that would preach these awesome words, and I'd think, man, I'd love to talk to them about and get all their opinions. But they're probably just like me. They study up on the one message at a time, and you talk to them about something else, they're like, duh, duh. I'm just like you. I don't know everything. My mom was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Let me get back on my notes, boy. Jesus wasn't through with Peter. Peter may have been through with Peter, but Jesus wasn't. And he's not through with you either. Maybe you're thinking, I don't have anything to offer Jesus. Well, you just came to a conclusion and made yourself a prime candidate to be used. Because when you realize you don't have anything to offer Jesus, then you've gotten yourself in a position to be used by Jesus. Maybe you'll stop trying to do it on your own. And you'll let let it be Christ in you. Christ through you. (laughs) Because all we need to be is available and obedient. Talking to Nick the other day at lunch. The boy's, what are you, 23 or something? Got a, a deep understanding of this principle. I was impressed talking to him. He, he knows he's got a call on his life, but he's not trying to make it happen. He knows God will bring it about in, in the right season. All he has to do, he doesn't have to overwhelm himself. With all these plans, oh, what am I going to do? God said I'm going to have to, so I'm going to have to, let me start writing these things down like I do. Man, I'm not near as mature as you, Nicholas. I'll be, I I just tell the honest truth on myself. I freak out all the time. I just put on a good face up here. (laughs) Because I can get overwhelmed. But that's why it says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. You know? Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Boy, I, you know what? Before every message I preach, I have, Lord, you know, you know who I am, right? <laughs> You're going to have to do something. You know? <laughs> Lord, if you don't go with me, don't even send me. Because I can't do this without you. 
I am what I am by your grace, and that's all I am. See, and you get to a place like that, then God can somehow begin to use you. You've made yourself available. I can almost hear Jesus chuckling when he's sitting over on the bank after he was risen, you know, and the disciples, I'll go fishing. I don't know what to do now, you know. And they're out there fishing, and one of them says, it's Jesus, you know, and Peter leaps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. And I can just hear Jesus saying, that's my boy. (laughs) Finally, he don't care about the nets or the boats or the people or what they're doing or the fish. He's just trying to, to, to bridge the gap between me and him as quickly as possible. And that's what life is about, bridging the gap between you and Jesus. Getting as close as you can. You want to sum it up? That's what you were created to do. See, there was a big gap in the, in the garden when sin entered in. And Jesus' God's whole plan was to bridge that gap and to get the Holy Spirit back in us and get a fellowship and communication lines back open. The devil, the enemy has hit us hard. But now we're trying to bridge back And put things back in order. And it's all part of God's plan to bridge the gap between you and Jesus. It's all about closing that gap. That's what life is about. Of course, the best thing that ever happened to Peter to help bridge that gap was just around the corner. And he did know it. It was on the day of Pentecost. See, it was all about that for God. I don't want to just be with them. I don't just want to be traveling with them in a little art box. I want to be in them. I want, to, I want to be with them. Jesus said that they may be one as you and I are one. I in them and you in me, vice versa. A coming back together, closing the gap. Before you know it, like we talked about two weeks ago, Peter's preaching messages and thousands are getting saved. Is this the same Peter? He's going about healing folks. Here he is grabbing a lame guy that's been lame since birth. Such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus, arise and walk, pulls him up by faith. And the man gets up and starts leaping and running around. Peter is healing folks with the same power that Jesus used to heal folks. Because now it's available. And it's available to us. But the first thing Peter makes clear, he wants to see the crowd gathered around. Oh man, that dude, he healed the guy. Let's make him our God. Let's make him king. He can heal folks. Peter said, whoa, whoa, whoa. First thing he makes it clear, it wasn't me. See, the old Peter might have been Well, you know, I am kind of (laughs) good. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, I did. John was with me, but he was, you know, it was mostly me. (laughs) He wasn't wasn't doing it. It was me that grabbed him. Did you see that part? (laughs) I I don't want to say it. Remember what question I said? Why did he say silver and gold have I none? I believe Peter, by this point, in his walk with God, realized, look, dude, 
my brains, my bronze, everything I got, my, my gold, my silver, everything I got, they ain't going to help you. I got nothing to help you. I got Jesus. I got nothing. I got nothing over here. But I got Jesus, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I break into stuff like that. In Acts 3, the crowd comes running. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. He said, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? Why you stare at us as though we had made this man walk in our own power or godliness? Say pride or humility. There's your hands. How silly is it that is for us silly humans to have pride, to think that we are that, all that. Why don't we just get with God's program and give him the glory and the honor and say, you are all that, God, and that's all I want people to see. See, that, that's, that is the original sin of pride. That is what caused the break and the gap in the first place. See, we were created to glorify God, not to glorify self. All right, I'm going to finish up preaching here. Turn back to Romans again. If you, you might not have left there. Romans 7. And we'll repeat verse 24. Apostle Paul probably one of the most amazing Christians that ever lived, said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then, thank goodness, verse 25 doesn't leave us hanging. It gives us the answer. It says, thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one that will help us overcome sin. Where sin did abound, thank goodness, grace does much more abound. There is no excuse for this, this mentality that I can't do it. I can't, I, there's, I'm just trapped. All those things that he was saying, he was saying that was him before Jesus. But thank God for Jesus that has given us the ability. You know, grace isn't so that we can sin more. Grace is to get us out of sin, to break the bondages of sin. That's a whole nother sermon. I'll preach it if you know. <clears throat> Philippians 1 6 says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Some of you are probably saying, I don't think I'm never going to get there. Well, you're not in this life. If you get there, then you, got, you see where else you need to be. <laughs> you know? It's one of those things you get there, you think, well, this is where I wanted to be, and then you realize the closer you get to God, the further away you get from his holiness. That's been my experience. I mean that in respect of my perception. The closer, the better I'm living, and I'm thinking I'm doing good, and then I look up at God and see his perfection, I realize that and I'm farther away than I thought. I told a story one time. Well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but I told a story one time. <clears throat> what was the story? What was this? 
I can't remember. It was a punchline in there. It would have worked great if I'd have thought of it. Okay. Jay Stoll says, the Greeks had a race in the Olympic Games that was unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. He said, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for Jesus. See, that's the object of the game. It's not to be the first, because many who are first will be last. It's to keep that light burning for Jesus. It's to get brighter and brighter for the Lord Jesus. So let's remember the hands that we talked about tonight. And I think we'll, we'll kind of know where to go from here. Do you want to live in sin, or do you want to strive for holiness? The wages of sin is kind of like death. So, Do you want to live in the flesh? Or do you want to walk in the Spirit? Remember, to be carnally minded is death, that's flesh, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you want to keep your eyes on your situation all the time? Or would you rather keep your eyes on Jesus? Do you want to be overloaded with just information? Or do you want to seek for revelation? I think these answers are pretty clear for a mature Christian. Do you want to look at life from a human point of view? Or would you like to see life from God's perspective? And that's big, folks. The way you see and understand your existence here is so important. Because if you're looking from a human perspective, if somebody's dying, then it's over. But if you're looking from God's perspective, you understand it's just the beginning. It changes the way that you view life. It changes the way that you live life. It changes the way that, that you love people. And it changes your, your priorities. And the things that you think are important. It's your perspective. Is it a human perspective? Or is it a God perspective? Do you want to do all the talking? Or do you want to listen every now and then? What's my favorite scripture? If I don't remember it, it's probably not my favorite scripture. But even a fool appears wise when he keeps his mouth shut. hard for me to do as a preacher <clears throat> yes in Proverbs somewhere your flesh is weak do you want to live in it but the spirit is willing do you want to live by the physical sword or do you want to live by the sword of the spirit that's a question we need to ask ourselves now is we're living in a society that's divided to the point where a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Around the world, things going on. Or are we going to take up sides and we're, we're going to hate on folks? Well, I'm not witnessing to them. They're one of those. Are we going to get an earthly perspective on life? 
Is it CNN or Fox News for us? Are we going to love everybody? Because I tell you what, we come from a different planet called heaven. We're citizens of the United States, but we're also, first and foremost, citizens of heaven. And we cannot fall into the trap of the enemy to let him divide and conquer our hearts. We have to love all people. We should love all people. God loves all people. Do you want to just use your ability or you want to let God use your availability? I'm telling you your ability, God, uh, your availability with God, all things are possible. All things. Okay, maybe, you know, you can get a job, make $24,000 a year. Congratulations. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believed. And, as I say often, life often comes down to pride or humility. My whole Christian walk has been a walk of humility. Where if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled kind of deal. That's become my mantra. (laughs) I'm not going down that road again. (laughs) I have been humbled so many times. I I just learn. I'm still a knucklehead, but I'm trying to learn to just go ahead. That, That is the main thing that God has worked in me. I don't know if it's your main thing. I must have started off with an exorbitant amount of pride because my, most of my Christian walk has been me going downhill so that God can take me uphill. I must decrease. He must increase. And all of this, all the things that we've talked about tonight, they've got to be working in love, right? Love is the overall arching cement that holds everything good together. Without love, doesn't matter what you have. Love people. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind <coughs> excuse me, leads to life and peace. O oh, wretched man that I was. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.